From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. If ever there was a great example of how the best popular movies come out of a merger of commerce and art, The Godfather is it. That's Sopranos actor Edie Falco reading from Pauline Kael's review of The Godfather in The New Yorker. This March 15th marked 50 years since Francis Ford Coppola's Godfather burst on movie screen and became one of the most beloved films the world over. The story of an aging mafia don and his family set in post-Second World War America is based on Mario Puzo's racy novel and became an enduring classic that has been called a masterclass in writing, acting and directing. It has led to numerous inspired lifts, including a Bollywood film called Atank Hi Atank, starring Amir Khan and Rajni Khan, no less. Here's filmmaker Vikramaditya Motwani on the impact that Godfather has had on filmmakers and moviegoers alike. Vikramaditya, Godfather turns 50, that's proper middle age even for films. How do you think the movie has aged? Honestly, the film hasn't aged one single bit. It is fresh, it is unique, it is, it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, it's a masterclass in everything. I mean, and then this is an offset, you know, term of you know, it being a masterclass, but it truly is. It, it's a film that runs close to three hours long, but yet has a phenomenal amount of minimalism uh, of storytelling mm. that really just, you know, hits the right note at the right time. It's that perfect, you know, mixture of it, of it being uh, gently paced enough, but yet there's that massive amounts of tension that are building up, um, you know, through the entire film until the very ending. It's a, it's really like when you watch it, the Michael's, uh, uh, Michael's story, Michael's character, Michael's story, Michael's entire plot of, um, you know, of, of going from A to Z with the character. It's something that, you know, that as a writer, one gets very conscious of. Um, it's something that I'm constantly telling new writers, you know, like just have your characters go from the, if they're A, let them go to Z. Don't take them from A to B or A to C, you know, like mm. have the entire gamut of, you know, of a journey. That's a real character's journey that goes. And Michael, who starts off as being in his army uniform, as, you know, this guy who's like, they're my family, they're not me. Uh, to becoming the, you know, you've gone full 180 over there. But it's believable. The 180 is believable. The 180, you're, you're with him on his journey. You understand. Hmm. You understand. He's, he's also flawed. He's also egotistical. He's also all those things. I mean, it's fast. He's also cold. Right, eventually. Also very cold, yeah. Very, very cold. Uh, eventually, somebody who had warmth and had love and understood his power, understood, you know, the, you know, of, of and the, that development. And, and there's that whole section when he goes to Italy, when you're wondering, kind of like, okay, you know, you, you think you're like, why am I watching this? Why am I seeing Michael Jones in Italy, especially with what is what is the part? And then you realize afterwards that, you know, the it's, it's the development of his sense of power, the development of his sense of, uh, of his sense of self, of his, you know, what he can achieve by just being who he is uh, and how he can get what he wants by being who he is. So what was amazing was also the faith that, you know, Coppola and Mario Puzo uh, have in the audience. I think that that is amazing. And, you know, that that's a lesson for all of us. It's like, you know, trust your audience. And the last third of the film, when, 
um, when they plot, when when they've basically gone and, and they've played Carlo, you know, like mm. when they sort of like said that okay, Tom Hagen is not going to be the uh, consigliere; is actually going to be, you know, and so and the way they've played him into that, and you know, but when it plays out, and when you realize who has been, who who's betrayed who, and the fact that Carlo has to has to be, you know, gotten rid of. There is there is an amazing. It's not like there's a nudge nudge wink wink. It dekho hamne aisa plan kiya tha and ha ha ha. They've trusted the audience to get it, and that's what really makes you love the film because the filmmakers have have, have given you you know like they've given you the keys in a certain sort of sense. We are also part of the conspiracy. You don't need to be told. You're also part of the conspiracy. And you get it, and that is very very. It's beautiful. It's beautiful because you you know you you um you've been trusted. It was a book that was picked up. by paramount studios which was a kind of throwaway you know, let's make it for a million dollars kind of film we have the rights and let's make it so let's get albert ruddy who's a producer who's known to get films in under budget like that's his his specialty is not like he can produce great movies like he can get it in under budget like that, that was, was a big business decision that was a, and because at that point of time your your big movies that were working were um love story was the was was the big one at that time which was like this is the film this is the template of film that's going to be working at the box office and that kind of stuff so the godfather yeah gangster drama blah, 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 let's get it to we have it let's make it sure it'll be interesting let's get ready to do it ready goes and gets coppola coppola goes and gets brando the next thing you know the film is out there and they get brando to sign a contract where if he delays the film he will pay for it they finish two days early i mean all that stuff is 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 a part of uh, you know is 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 folklore Coppola has written somewhere that on the second reading, when I realized that I was going to make Godfather, and on the second reading, much of the book fell away in my mind, revealing a story that was a metaphor for American capitalism. Is the tale of a great king with three sons, oldest given his passions, aggressiveness; second, his sweet nature, childlike qualities; and the third, his intelligence, cunning, and coldness. So he actually found. the universal story within and perhaps you think that explains the enduring um love that the audience has for godfather absolutely it's it's it is extremely relatable the film can really take place you watch it and it's like what oh, this doesn't yes it's it's part of the american uh uh capitalist dream of you know capitalist folklore um but it's a it's a uh, you could place the same story in a in a in the shakespearean world um uh, put it back in the 18th century quite honestly in in russia of all places or in england or anywhere else in india i mean and and the same story um the same story works it's 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 how the power you have do you use it responsibly do you not use you know, uh, you know uh, uh, use it responsibly it's about you know who of your sons in a sense you have to be able to choose who you're leading towards um this is a this is a tale of the ages yeah today what we talk about about saying uh the hero's journey or whether it's about um a reluctant protagonist or whether it's, you know all those things that we talk about today which are things that are thrown around were these uh were these conscious back then or you know was it, honestly i don't know but it has become you know a, a part of screenwriting um uh, uh, 101 in a in a sense where you uh, so many things from the godfather where you refer to and that's just the storytelling part there is also there is also the uh, the visual you know elements of it um figure i mean the actors are all phenomenal and you know there's there's great characters but um, what gordon willis did in in terms of if, if of the shooting of the film was no one had done that before 
to shoot a film with that sort of natural approach and and it's still it's things that we still have to fight for today to be able to sort of like say because everybody's going to come and say yeah, it's very dark and it's very this <laughs> you need to see characters faces you need to see their eyes and you can't have them in shadow and 50 years ago gordon willis has done that and sort of broken every rule as far as it's concerned and i'm sure they must have had panic at that point of time but one tends to sort of like forget the fact yes the godfather it's the top of the imdb chart it's one of the most loved films it's considered the greatest film of the, you know the history of cinema um all that sort of stuff but you also forget that it made when you take into account inflation is made a billion dollars at the box office that's the same amount of money that spiderman is made today so you think about that and it's a huge hit it is a massive 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 hit which gives a lot of us a lot of hope and a lot of impetus to say yeah if the godfather can do it 50 years ago what are we worried about today why mm. why are you still sort of like having boundaries around you today in the uh, the 1960s uh, there was this movement away from uh, the formulas of the studio system of, mm. of hollywood as it used to be in the class in the great days of the studio system younger filmmakers partly influenced by world cinema partly influenced by studying film uh, for the first time uh, formally were trying to make more personal films and 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 were trying to do things that were moving away from the old more mannered forms of expression in mm. american cinema and as a, as a result of that starting with say films like you know in the late 60s films like bonnie and clyde there began this whole movement uh and and let's not forget that film criticism also was becoming a little more expansive around the same time so you know so you you had the french who had come in with this idea of the auteur theory around a decade earlier and then what happens is that this whole generation of american filmmakers led by francis ford coppola uh, which which you know the the kids with beards as they were known uh, martin scorsese uh, brian de palma who's who's possibly my personal favorite uh, spielberg george lucas uh, they just started making these films in ways that they found interesting working with material that they thought they could do something personal with and uh, an american cinema was just changing in a big way and i think the godfather is probably the film that's just the fulcrum of that that era uh, it's uh, you know right at the center of everything mm. it uh, it gave so many important actors to american cinema it it just brought a new aesthetic in terms of gordon willis's you know incredible cinematography which which took pulp material mario puzo's pulp novel and just turned it into something very majestic and grand looking That's writer and critic Jay Arjun Singh who says Coppola almost didn't make Godfather because he wanted to move away from the racier B movies he had made early on in his career. I was having this conversation earlier with Vikramaditya Motwani and I was saying the same thing that this whole idea of adaptation to turn it into something which is almost Shakespearean in its kind of depth yeah is what yeah. what great adaptations can do. since you bring that up it's worth uh, remembering that francis ford coppola himself was very reluctant to work with that book uh, you know he if you if you know you know his history as a filmmaker he started off working as an assistant director with roger corman on b movies in an in the early 60s he directed a couple of very cheap b horror films like dementia 13 uh, coppola uh, and and uh, when this book came along he was trying to do something more overtly respectable he was you know thinking of himself as 
as an artist who was going to do these you know, profound things and he was uh, he looked at the puzo novel and like you said it's a it's a riveting you know it's a page turner but it is a pot boiler it, essentially and uh, he looked at it and said you know what sort of you know you can't make a respectable film out of this it will be a be a genre film and i want to do something else and he was very reluctant at first but of course eventually he stuck with it and then he when he managed to bully paramount into doing the things that he wanted like like getting brando on board getting pacino on board these are people who the, the studio did not want at all Mm. Uh, you know the as you as you might know brando had a reputation for being very difficult he you know it, it was perceived that his you know that the best of his days were over pacino was you know there there were paramount executives who were apparently just referring to pacino very condescendingly as that dwarf because of his height and 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 they thought he wasn't leading man material at all coppola stuck with that and you know through a series of decisions you know and he i think he just he just took that novel and elevated it into something else what do you think that coppola did that that makes it such a seminal film as lay audience what we see we understand quality and we are immersed in a film but what as a filmmaker what do you think that he did what were the cues that he he gave to the audience first and foremost thing he did was uh, to just get a lot of elements together and to you know orchestrate them and to oversee them in in such a way that they really work well together you know you you have the actors of course the casting which you know we 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 all know about that but but you know to uh, to work with gordon willis's uh, cinematography to create that stygian that dark stygian look uh to work with nino rota's uh, score which just you know which 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 you know all of us it's, it's just part of our filmmaking uh, our film watching mythology right that that music score i just found myself uh, humming a little tune from the godfather part 2 uh, a few days ago without even realizing what i was doing it's just there and and it immediately puts you in a certain mood a certain frame of mind it's also worth say worth mentioning that uh, coppola after his initial reluctance about the novel at some point when he really did become interested in making this film i think he brought a lot of his own personality and his his own concerns into the film as well you know i was i i, I remember reading a biography once where where there was uh, you know his elder brother august coppola who was uh, who was an academic and a writer himself he was always the chosen one in the family and francis was the younger brother who was meant to be the you know the outsider figure and eventually of course he he became the big figure in in american film so so that journey almost seems to in some ways parallel the michael. rise of michael michael's rise and going past sunny and in, and in that context is worth mentioning that that uh, francis ford coppola cast his own sister in the role of uh, connie colleone talatalaya uh, shire and uh, i think i think the material became very personal to him at some point he started relating with it and once that happened and all these other elements just came together the way they needed to brando pacino you know that and even the, the the smallest roles um the the grandness of you know the the great set pieces of the film like the the the, the climactic scene the scene with the with the intercutting between the baptism and the killings that then becomes a commentary on uh, on this you know organized crime organized religion everything you know a whole culture was important which is your favorite scene from the godfather uh are we talking only about the first film or no you can take you can take though i doubt if anyone has a favorite scene from part 3 but you can take the trilogy 
Well, 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 well. I actually do have a favorite scene from from part three. Uh, oh, wow! But, but uh, you know, uh, but uh, well, uh, having said, of course, that it's that it's, that it's not uh, uh, as good as the first two. Uh, and my favorite scene is is the unabashedly melodramatic, operatic finale with 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 Michael's silent scream and uh, and that great burst of music over it. And in, in the Godfather part three, but sticking with the Godfather, you know, there, there are little little moments in the Godfather which are just so. Uh, which which actually make the bigger operatic moments even more interesting, you know. So so that that scene where where Michael is outside the hospital, uh, the, his father's in hospital, and suddenly there's this crisis where he, these men are going to come to the hospital potentially to kill uh, to, to, to kill Vito, yes. and Michael has to put up that little pretense with with that friend of his who's really nervous, and that scene where uh, Michael is uh, lighting the cigarette, and and you know he, he and he notices it's almost like he notices that his own hands are not shaking you know he's he's up to this the other guy is nervous like anything but michael who up to this point we've been led to believe is this innocent who who is not meant to be in this mafia business he's found the steel in himself at that point now it's it's such a small moment but it's so telling as well Part two has many great favorite scenes that I, I think some of the dissolves in part two between the present and the past, where we go back to Vito's youth, uh, are, are so interestingly done. Uh, you know the 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 scene halfway through part two where Vito Corleone has committed a murder for the first time, and he comes back to his family, sitting with his family, and he takes little Michael's hand, fingers in his hand, and says says in Italian, "Your father loves you very much." And it's that at exactly the midpoint through the film, and it's it's a Clear metaphor for for the father's for the father tainting his Son. his son's hands. It's it's very obvious, but it's so well done that you just look at it and say, "Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a great moment." If you had come to me in friendship, then the scum that wounded your daughter would be suffering this very day. And if by chance an honest man like yourself should make enemies, then he would become my enemies, and then they would fear you. Be my friend. Godfather. Giant Fontaine. Sure. You want to meet him? Huh? Oh, uh, sure. My father helped him with his career. For my father. He did? How? I have but one. Let's listen to the song. No, Michael. Vikramaditya Motwani advises all young filmmakers to watch the famous opening scene of The Godfather, which introduces the main characters. and sets the scene it's a study in masterful filmmaking he says it's 20 25 minute in that wedding sequence right which starts off which establishes everything um it establishes the dawn it establishes his power it establishes characters it establishes uh, tom hagen and sunny and his relationship with michael and michael and k and connie um and uh, the singer i forget his name um everybody right everybody has been established in that opening sort of 20 25 minutes in the film and it's all and it's and that's a masterclass that's when you're like how how beautiful and how amazing and how interesting 
and yes how and yet how minimal it takes one run i mean and it's, i mean just examples it's whether it's about you know um the don saying that i will not take a photo without mike that moment in itself right says so much it doesn't yes. you don't need to spell out anything else you're talking about a father's uh uh the fact that is michael the favorite son maybe yes that moment kind of does tell you but it also gives you the power that yes there's a wedding to be the photo to be taken and he's like screw it i'm just going to walk away you're doing so many things you're establishing so many things in that one small moment of him just walking away um from the and with very few dialogues exactly that's the thing um uh, uh, the, when you see for example connie when uh, when when uh, what's his name johnny fontaine no, johnny, johnny fontaine johnny fontaine when johnny fontaine comes to the wedding and connie runs you know from the to come and greet him uh, at the gate and walks back with him um again it's telling you so much about her character right there you're talking about the fact that she's genuinely excited um she doesn't really give a shit but at the same point of time she so wants to show off the fact that she knows johnny fontaine and she can sort of like do this and he's going to be jealous about that tiny things like that establish so much about character there's you know it um It, it it really is in, and that's that's a masterclass in writing that's a masterclass in directing that's a masterclass in so like knowing exactly what so if you look at for example michael's michael's arc right and michael tends to tends to feel like okay this guy is you know the the he is in, in the end of the day the hero of the film but if you sort of like plot his arc there's very few scenes he's actually there's not like he's he's not there in every single scene he's like okay he's there in the wedding where you he, you've established the fact that um that this is my family i'm not that i'm a war hero i'm different from them the next time you see them is after the dawn has been shot right and then michael sort of sees it in the newspaper and he's like should i have to go to my father he comes back to the father the father likes him he needs to save the father and then he he has a moment in the hospital where he ends up saving the father with that guy which is a great moment which is his yes. sense coming of age of of a, of a sense that i can do this the next time you see him and when he started talking about this is when he's when he's with and he gets punched in that scene by the by the cop and the next time you see him is when he's telling them exactly what should be done four scenes yes. four scenes to establish the fact that this guy is your dawn in the make and then of course then there's the way coppola does those moments you know the there is that sort of when when michael is sitting in the chair and Tom is sitting behind him, and when Michael starts talking, this is that scene where he's saying, "This is what we should do." And Sunny's still alive, of course. Sunny's still, you know, the potential Don. But Michael talks, and there's a very gentle movement that goes into Michael, and you land up at him, and Tom is sitting behind him, and you've already told the audience that that's the Don, and that's the consigliere sitting behind him. This is what is going to end up being that you're foreshadowing what's about to come. Want you to rest well in the month from now. This. Hollywood big shot's gonna give you what you want. It's too late. They start shooting in a week. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Both Mario Puzo and Coppola said that they had researched into the lives of American gangsters, Italian American gangsters, but the gangsters were also inspired to behave in a certain way. Uh, perhaps how it happened in Satya. I want you to talk a little bit about Vikram about the role of minor characters. you know like you know we know luca brazi we'll talk about barzini uh, we know talk about tom hagen or johnny fontaine your films are, are are very tight and small and contained in the sense of numbers of characters usually as a filmmaker when should a film have multiple characters and how how is it that 
they become uh, so alive and so memorable for the audience it's to the purpose i think the multiple characters in the godfather are important because they are important and they or they are they are important to the storyline vis-a-vis your main characters um when it comes down to it so the the who is a threat to the don and who needs to be taken care of and who is who is a friend and who's a foe um and i think that's where the multiple characters um uh start to become um but again i would i would i would give a lot of that credit to the writing the directing and the casting and and of course i mean in the end of the day the acting but again it comes down to coppola uh, being able to um uh, i think um make those characters memorable i mean if you take into take the cop for example i think sterling hayden was played in um again two scenes um two scenes one where he punches and one where he ends up getting sort of like shot afterwards i mean so amazingly memorable because it's just that what you've given him and how he's played it and 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 and, and the effect of why would you shoot his entire scene in a close up for example versus you know so is he important is he not important this is levels of information and uh, this is the information that the director at that point in time wants you to uh, to have but it counts you know and you have to uh, you have to I mean, even look up razi in a sense i mean has it's it's literally if you his most memorable yes he comes to don and meets him but it's the rehearsal outside <laughs> which makes him right? like that scene makes luca brazzi um uh what he is and that's the that's the i think that's the genius of sort of like you know giving giving them personality like giving them personality that you can sort of connect to and 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 that you can like not not keeping them out of the book or off the pages they they come off the pages because they've been cast amazingly they've been given moments that really you know uh, uh, work for them um it's the same with it's the same with fredo you know mm-hmm. um and john casal just being the phenomenal i love a little bit of trivia i love i love like so i took my nephew to see the film for example um who loves the godfather so i was like come we have to see it in the theater in the sort and he's like that fredo and i'm like oh, okay so i'm like that's john casal the guy did five films in his life and all five films were nominated for best picture at the oscar I'm like that's a record i think that oh, wow. nobody has ever <laughs> nobody's ever had um again i mean fredo is around right you sense him and again here's the genius of 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 the of the writing is that fredo is always in the background for most of the film um he comes into the foreground when it comes to vegas uh, that's the moment when fredo comes into the foreground and again he has one scene you know to 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 chew up and john casal just being john casal is so brilliant but he has one scene to be able to sort of say that my god this guy is a threat you know fredo is also a threat he's the brother but he's also yes. a threat to um you know do i trust him or do i not trust him fredo you're my older brother and i love you but don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again few films have glorified gangsters and violence in a sense of course there is the the tragic arc but it's also very sexy yeah and at the same time he then makes apocalypse now where which also violence is sexy but you know it's really the most anti war film that that one can find yeah. uh how do you think coppola has uh, as a filmmaker uh influenced the way we look at violence in cinema pretty much everything you said you know i mean i, I, I uh, you know you know these things are subjective i mean i i imagine there would be many viewers who would look at uh, the the violent scenes in the godfather and just be 
entirely repulsed and just you know want to move away from the screen and and and, and then you can you can make the argument that for those viewers you know it's uh, at a moral level it's worked because it's made violence ugly but 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 i agree with you i mean i i look at the 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 big set pieces the big violent moments in in, in the godfather films and i i find it thrilling say for instance tarantino who's also very violent but you know his violence while fun has a cartoonish quality that yeah. you know you can't take it seriously with yeah. godfather it you do take it seriously no absolutely agree and i mean and, and you know little things like like that that scene at the, at the end the part of the cross cutting the uh, uh, murder at the end of the godfather where uh, where the guy is shot in the eye and his glasses sort of break you know as, as he's being massaged it's a you know it's is a sort of thing that it's a sort of scene where you can simultaneously admire the filmmaking and say wow you know this is pretty good filmmaking and it's it's so impactful and at the same time think you know this is but this is really ugly and nasty and you know and, and it, it sort of brings you back down to earth and says and, and and you think you know all these people that we've been finding so excited so interesting these characters they are doing stuff like this which is so yeah so of course you do take it seriously you can even even while you find the filmmaking exciting i think tarantino of course you know is part of a different generation where it's all post post modern no, and his or, cinema is very different of course and there's and, and there's always this meta commentary this this, this ironic nudge winking at at films of an earlier time so 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 then as you say it became becomes a bit cartoonish and uh, too self referential but yeah you know it's, it's an i would also agree with you that though you, you uh, i think you implied it that apocalypse now is uh, on balance i think it's a more effectively unpleasant film Mm. than than the godfather films are in the sense that it's you know it, uh, again it's got set pieces it's got things that that will excite you cinematically but there's this by the end it's depressing the in a way that the godfather perhaps isn't because you know it just you know, the godfather leaves you with this tremendous high of you know even you know of uh, you know all, all these uh, exciting things happening on the screen violence in cinema has definitely been influenced by not just by the godfather but also by 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 those other american films being made around the same time scorsese's films mean streets and taxi driver and uh, and, and and a lot of other films uh, even something like like spielberg's jaws which which you know was, was more more cartoonish and more populist but again it it shows gore it it makes certain things you know it 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 it, it introduces this thrilling music score when the shark attacks are happening from hitchcock psychological violence to yeah. real physical violence it yeah absolutely yeah and that is again part of the trajectory of what was happening to american cinema between say the 1950s and the 1970s where suddenly of course you know the censorship has been relaxed it becomes easier to you know coming back to bonnie and clyde which was a very important film in this whole movement but the climactic scene where where warren beatty and fade anaway are just riddled with bullets and their and their bodies are dancing around like that you know it's it's all part of this this moment where where violence is being presented in this you know no holds barred way uh, at the risk of making it really exciting also and perhaps you know increasing the the tolerance threshold for viewers so viewers who you know who in the 1950s might have recoiled at at a certain sort of scene now in the 70s are finding it much easier to watch really bloody really gory stuff Mm. So, so yeah, so so the Godfather's played a big part in that, I think.
the president of Paramount told me in these words, he says, Francis, as president of Paramount Pictures, I am telling you that Marlon Brando will not be in this movie. Marlon Brando was only 47 when he played the aged Vito Corleone. He was in the midst of a career crisis with a series of flops and he was battling his reputation as a hell-raising star on set. But with Godfather, which earned him the Oscar for Best Actor, Brando scripted a remarkable late career turnaround, says Vikramaditya. Marlon Brando, I mean, uh, Coppola somehow has taken him and reduces him to bit parts and yet which are like so great. I mean, whether it was uh, uh, Captain Kurtz uh, in the in the apocalypse now or who comes right at the end or even in Godfather, I mean, he's there, but with very, very few scenes. And and Brando, I mean, was also transitioning into a different phase of his career at the time like that. I mean, we have so many actors who are also transitioning and it's a tough transition to manage. One is, I think it's Brando himself willingly coming on board and saying, hey, I really want to do this, right? And I think we have a tendency, we've seen a lot of actors who are so unwilling to, to drop a lot of their baggage. And baggage is a very broad term here. Um, they are so unwilling. I mean, but here was Brando who was, you know, saying, okay, fine, I'll do it. You want me to be, you know, I mean, I don't, it's not, I don't have to be Adonis. I I, I need to be, I, I can sort of like, you know, have the, the, the jaws look that way and my hair like that, look older and, and all that sort of stuff. So yes, there is. And I, honestly, I don't know what battles there would have been between him and Coppola and that kind of stuff. I mean, clearly he did Apocalypse now, so obviously there was no problems. I do think the Godfather definitely helped it more. It 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 you know it it brought um, uh, the way De Niro and Pacino in their career, especially in the seventies, um, uh, experimented with playing these kind of characters who were you know gray definitely, but also if you look at De Niro in uh, Deer Hunter, for example, I mean he's not. He's actually in a sense um, he is not the lead in it. Um, but at the same point in time, he's magnificent in that film, and it's not a problem. You're, 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 you know, you're, uh, you're helping to sort of like do the film, helping to sell the film, or whether it's De Niro in the mission, or you know, it's all those kind of things. It's like you know, you see Brando having set that tone, um, but specifically with Brando, yeah, he he's not. It's not a big part, definitely, but definitely, it's not. You know, Michael is the hero of the film. Yeah. But when, again, when Brando's given the moments to sort of like do what he has to do, whether it's the opening scene um, uh, in the wedding, whether it's the one where he shakes up Johnny Fontaine, which is so unexpected. <laughs> I'm like slapping a B-man. <laughs> and then that scene. And of course, the end, the last scene um, with Michael, which is just incredible. He is incredible in that scene. He brings so much emotion um, do the bit when he's repeating himself, you know, that remember that the one who sets up the meeting is the one who's going to betray you. Uh, uh, the, that, giving all the life lessons. Yeah, but the life, but again, there's so much in that moment. You're giving life lessons, you care for your son, you're getting older. Um, you know, your memory is clearly, you know, it's, there's those kind of things. At the same point in time, it's like, you also, do I know that I'm going to go? Is that why I'm trying to just like, you know, get my, get all my, get all my ducks in a row? Am I trying to sort of like cross my T's and dot my I's before I go and, and that kind of, and you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. So 
again, I mean, in in writing, directing, acting, you've brought in so much into one moment there, which tells you so much more than um, than what's just on the page. And he's he's brilliant in that in, in the film. And 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 do you think Coppola uh, can have should not have made Godfather three? <laughs> <laughs> not for you couldn't refuse. Today's episode is produced by Jairad Singh, Arun George and Sunay Marathi. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TUI Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at tuipodcasts at timesinternet.in.